Welcome back to Coaches on the Beach, and today we are joined by a coach that has one of the coolest nicknames around, Triple J. Jenny Johnson-Jordan is the head coach at UCLA. Jenny has been coaching with the Bruins going into her 10th year now, helping them win back-to-back -back national championships. Jenny, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, uh, Triple J, you know, you've been coaching at UCLA, and, and I had the fortune of getting to work some camps with you um, back when I, I worked in uh, Los Angeles with Steino. And I think one of the things that people maybe don't always pay attention to, but was like how much UCLA has been a part of your life um, from the very get go. Right. So I believe you pretty much your whole family has gone there. Um, that's where you met your husband. Uh, yeah. Talk to us a little bit about what being a Bruin means to you and, and how it's played such an integral part in every aspect of your life. Yeah. Well, you're right. It, it's definitely played a, a big part of my life. I, um, have early like um well you're probably even too young to know like super eight video <laughs> <laughs> my brother and i he's two years younger riding our big wheels along the outskirts of poly pavilion so that's you know you said was our playground growing up we didn't live far from there and you know obviously both my parents they had gone there and just and loved being on campus and so it literally was a playground for my brother and i growing up and um, you know, grew up going to football games, uh, basketball games. My dad's coach, Ducky Drake, was the um, football trainer for a while, but then also just the uh, head trainer. Um, and so we would see him a lot there, too. So it was it definitely was a home away from home for us. And um, as I was trying to decide where to go to college, I actually at first I was like going to do it completely something different and um, ended up taking my recruiting trip there and really fell in love with the team, honestly, first, and um, thought I could really uh, flourish there. And I mean, at the time, they were the best team in the country, and I wanted to play for the best. So I was willing to go there and grind it out and try to earn a spot. And um, yeah, it's been just just in me for a long time to be a Bruin. So yeah, you know, you mentioned your dad uh, and his coach were working there. Your dad was a multi-time Olympian, um, even carried the, the torch for the 84 Olympics, which probably was a little bittersweet for him having to walk through USC's campus to, to light the whole True. thing. But, True. <laughs> <laughs> what's it like being around uh, an elite level athlete as a, as a kid, right? You're, you're around somebody that knows how to do it at the highest level for such a sustained period of time. Um, did that kind of implement itself into your volleyball career or were you like, dad's doing too much over here? <laughs> Gotta, yeah, gotta, no. I mean, he was definitely way done with competing by the time, you know, he had my brother and I, my mom did. And so um, I think for me, because, you know, growing up, he did such a great job of really allowing my brother and I to do our own thing, to find our own passions. And, you know, whether I did gymnastics or softball or basketball or track, even, I mean, he was, he was there. He was he, both my parents really, they were our coaches uh, for the most part growing up. And, um, you know, I, I didn't know anything about what my dad had done or accomplished from him. I knew about it from other people. And, you know, I've talked about this a lot in the past about how in our home, you know, none of his awards were up. They were like our, it was our artwork, our awards as kids. And that's the thing that he really celebrated as a parent. And so I didn't know anything else really until 
you know, people started giving him attention. I got older and I'm like, Hey, what is going on here? Like, what did he do? You know, and having the Olympics in 84 really solidified it for me. I'm like, Oh, this is why it's such a big <laughs> deal. Like now I get it. You know, I'm like 11, 12 years old and I'm in the, the stadium and he's lighting the torch and people are going bonkers and we're going to events and I'm like, now I get it. Now I get the magnitude of it. Cause I mean, obviously you see pro sports growing up, but the Olympics is completely different and it's a totally different animal. And um, I knew then that I wanted to continue to play sports and be in the Olympics. I just had no idea what that was going to be and what sport, or what it would look like. Yeah. So you started with gymnastics and then, flipped over to volleyball a little bit later was there anything in the middle where you uh, probably a track star at some point just having i, the, I, I dabbled in track yes i i started i mean most people start with soccer right you know it's like swarm swarm ball so <laughs> i played soccer for 10 years um and then played uh, a lot of softball i did i had a short stint in track for a couple years but that was kind of conflicted with my volleyball as i got older and i, I did do gymnastics for a little while I mean, I could do every flip, round off, backhand, spring, but I was not flexible. So it didn't always look pretty, but I pulled it off. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I just knew at the end I would be way too tall. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I, I stopped doing gymnastics. And then just, once I got into seventh grade is actually that's where I um, first started playing volleyball, indoor volleyball. And that was my first sport at my new school. And I knew I wanted to try everything. And I did. And um, it really wasn't until my junior year where I just started playing only volleyball. So only volleyball. And then obviously that went pretty well. Um, you yes. mentioned you weren't sure about going to UCLA. Uh, what were the other places and what kind of drew you to there? What, what was the initial intrigue of not going to UCLA? I think because I grew up there, um, but it's completely different perspective, you know, riding your big wheels and going to basketball games as opposed to competing there and going to school there. And, um, you know, I was looking at other pack. well, then it was the Pac-10, Pac-10 schools. And um, Santa Barbara was definitely on the list. They were, they were very good at the time as well. And, um, you know, it, it came down to, for me, um, I wanted to play at the best place possible and I'm super competitive and I was willing to fight for my spot um, I had a lot of injuries my junior year and then you know recruiting it happened a lot later so being out your junior year was was tough uh, and then you end up committing usually in your senior year so um, yeah so in that sense I just felt like you know I'm just going to just do something totally different um, but the closer it got to making a decision I just knew UCLA was the place for me. Did you ever have any desire to want to go outside of California to go across, go up into the cold, you know, maybe? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really, I really did not. Um, I think the furthest school I, I actually considered was still in California, but it was like Northern California. So, you know, for me, I, I, you know, I was very close with my family. I didn't really have desire to go outside the country. I mean, I totally get now being older, you know, why people would do it or be drawn to it. But at the time for me, I just, I had no desire to do that. Yeah. There's no place like home, right? And it's <laughs> yeah. really nice to know almost what you're getting yourself into. Um, yeah. 
Now your freshman year, you guys played in the national championship, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. really early success. Um, and then played again. You played at least two national championships, right? Correct me if I'm Well, wrong. yeah, we won my freshman year. We won. And then um, I, let's see, in 92 and 94, we were in the finals, but we lost. So we played, we were in three, three finals. That's pretty good. 75% uh, of the time being <laughs> in the championship is usually yeah. a really good sign. What was the atmosphere? Did you guys know you were always going to be that good when you were getting ready to win your freshman year? Or was it something where it was like, we're not going to put the trophies up, right? We're going to be hard-headed and grind our way through this whole thing. What was the ambiance, the atmosphere? Well, I think being new to the team my freshman year, I they had won the year before that, the year before I came. So I think there was already a, you know, a quiet confidence there. I mean, our team was stacked at that point <laughs> anyways, um, even before my class got there. So, um, yeah, I mean, when I when I showed up as a freshman, it was just like, that's just what you do. You know, you, you grind and you work hard. And, you know, for me, I wasn't I wasn't starting or playing much my freshman year I wasn't playing at all actually because we were so stacked and I was redshirting and um but I took a lot of pride in you know being on the B team and trying to beat the A team and and we did beat them you know pretty frequently actually and it was fun you know that was my challenge that was the thing that that I showed up in the gym for was to make them better and to to make our team better and so we definitely our side of the net took that identity and ran with it and made something fun and challenging and competitive yeah. And while you were in college, uh, you started hanging out with the football team a little bit. A little bit, you know. A little bit. Uh, and met your husband. <laughs> I so did. How, did. how did that whole thing get started? And what was that like, you know, going through college and both kind of knowing that you're going to go professional, right? You're on two of the best teams in the country for the sport that you do. Um, how did that relationship form and develop? And how did you guys kind of work through what would be a sizable obstacle? Yeah. Well, I think, well, first we met in class, so that was the first thing. But, you know, when I was in school, I sound like I'm old now. When I was in school, but, <laughs> yeah, I feel like the athletes, we were, they were more, we were more mixed in with each other. Like we weren't all siloed in different facilities as much. And so, you know, I, a lot of my friends were from other teams as well. And so, you know, we were in the same training room as the football team and we had a lot of interaction there. And um, I met my husband, it was the end of my freshman year, the end of his sophomore year. And yeah, we dated all through college. Ironically enough, we happened to be the same number in college and that was not um, planned by any means. Our kids wear the same, they like wear, wear four as well a lot for their sports and um, it just kind of became a family thing. Um, and then, yeah, so he, he graduated first and played in the NFL for three years. And we decided to make LA kind of our home base. So, you know, he went off to Arizona, he played for the Cardinals, the Bengals and the um, the uh, Broncos. And the Broncos was his last training camp. And um, I was still trying to start my pro career on the beach. But I think the thing that, um, you know, we had in common obviously was sports and the understanding of the commitment it took to be uh, an elite athlete, you know, so they, he understood the time that I had to put in. I understood the time he had to put in um, our seasons in college were at the same time. So we kind of were on and off at the same time, which was nice, actually. Um, 
And so with that mutual understanding about being an athlete, I think was was actually really helpful in our, our relationship in college and moving forward. Yeah, you, you probably tell your athletes now, right? Hey, you got to go to class because yeah. you need your husband. You got to find your husband, yeah. That's like the best sale, selling point you can have. <laughs> like, uh, you might learn something too, but hey. You never know. You might find your, your lifelong partner there too. You just, you never know. Yeah. So they do, they make fun of me for that. They're like, oh, you guys, you're so lucky. But, you know, I'm like, you know, everyone will find their person. It's going to happen. So, yeah. <laughs> you met your partner uh, for the beach tour, Annette, right at, at college together. Um, how yes. did the decision to, to play pro beach um, get started? Well, yeah, I guess technically I did. I found both my partners in college. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, the funny thing with Annette is, so when growing up in high school, we were kind of like um, rivals. Our clubs were rivals. We never spoke a word to each other, I think, until we both showed up on campus at UCLA our freshman year. And so we were kind of like both kind of like eyeing each other, you know. And um, after the first day, we were like just became best friends. We lived together all through college. Um, and then in 96, I went to Atlanta with my dad for the Olympics. And that was the first year beach volleyball was an Olympic sport. And that was like another aha moment for me. I was like, that's what I want to do. That's what I have. That's how I'm going to go to the Olympics. And I went back and I talked to Annette. I'm like, let's do it. Just, you know, you and me, let's go play. And she was like, huh? She's like, <laughs> She's like, I'm gonna, I wanna watch you play in a tournament first. Mind you, we'd already been playing on the Forest Tour. So it's not like Beach was completely foreign to us, but doubles, you know, was a different animal. And so I played in my one and only tournament with a different partner. Um, and I think we took like a 13th and a WPBA and Annette came and watched and she's like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> so that was that was the end of that. And I think the special thing about our partnership and friendship was, you know, I mean, and look, Annette was a great beach player and she had people that wanted to play with her. But we had made the commitment to play with each other and make an Olympic run for those three, three and a half years. And, um, you know, I think that took a lot of pressure off of us and not worrying about partner switches, that whole world is so foreign to us obviously too because we've played together with each other our whole career i think she played one international event i think it was with barb fontana so we could get some points and she wanted to play in, a, in an event um that her partner didn't want to so you know in that sense we've we've played with other people but other than that it's just just been the two of us and uh it was an amazing partnership and um friendship it still is an amazing friendship she's my best friend and um i'm just grateful that we got to kind of do that whole journey together yeah and you guys had some success obviously there was as with any world tour i'm sure there's a little bit of trouble but you guys pretty much jumped out the gate and started having a ton of success uh do you remember where your first wins were where you took home your first uh, tournament championships Oh yeah. Well, for FIVB, we was, we were in Portugal. I remember that was the first time we won. But you know, the tour was so different there. There weren't all those satellite tours. You were like either on the main tour or nothing. And so we had to do country quotas in the country that we were qualifying in. And a lot of times, what would happen is there'd be three American teams that would qualify, but then we'd have a country quota playoff after the qualifier in the country. And so only one American team could get in. So 
you know, our first year, we didn't really know what we were doing. I mean, we were two athletic volleyball players, but in terms of beach stuff, like we, we didn't really fully understand the strategies and the nuances in the beach game yet. Uh, but we were still making the trip, still trying. Uh, that was, I think, in 96. Then 97, we started to to get into some main draws. And, you know, with the rules there, it's like, you know, we qualify, we won Portugal, and then the next week in Japan, we're in the qualifier again. <laughs> so it's just the way the, the way the entry worked, you know, 30 days out. But after we got, um, I think it was a third in Toronto, then we were in the main draw and we were in a good spot. Yeah, I think it's really impressive that you guys did so well in, you know, your second year, really. I mean, second full season together, um, you guys had managed to to take a win in, in Portugal and, and really solidify yourself on the world tour. Um, what did it feel like knowing that was a qualifying year? Was there still like, okay, we're going to push through or, or do you were you feeling solid after that win? What was the Olympic run like? I mean, the, the Olympic run is long, <laughs> you know, it's two years. It's can be really stressful. Um, I think for us, you know, there was probably a good thing that we were naive to some things too. It's like, we were just two, like, what were we? 26 year olds, just kind of going around the world with each other and figuring this game out, you know? Um, but then when we started, you know, having some success, I think there was a little bit of pressure there, you know, like we could, we saw what we could do and we were excited by that, but you know, then you start putting some pressure on yourself too. And the qualifying process for, for the U S is extremely competitive. Um, you know, at that point it was Holly and, and Misty Lane and Liz Masakayan were kind of, we were three teams kind of vying for that, those two spots. And, you know, it was, it was really competitive. And I remember carrying a notebook around every country, all of our bar points, like, you know, well, if we get this, then we, you know, we're this far ahead and, you know, and that just would shake her head at me like, what are you doing? But you know, <laughs> that that's just how I, how I, how I rolled. But, um, it was an amazing process. Um, I think for us, when we won the world championship in Marseille in 99, that was just, that was amazing. Yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. So that when we clinched the spot there, then um, I remember celebrating that night with each other and our coach and just being so happy that, you know, we had gotten a spot. So. Yeah. Who was your guys' coach uh, on, on tour? Our first quad, it was Anna Collier. Um, so we had her and then we, and both of that night took off 2005, um, to, we had each had kids and then when we came back, we worked with Jimmy Mangus in Santa Monica. And so that was a lot of fun. He's hilarious. I still see him around, uh, Santa Monica. And then we had, we waited another three and a half years, each had kids. And then we started working with Jeff Alzina. So, um, you know, we've had pretty much three real head coaches, if you want to say, in our careers. Um, and then we were lucky enough to have some, you know, tutelage with uh, Karch Karai. We worked with him for a little bit, which was awesome. Um, and some other people along the way, too. So we've we've been very blessed in the sense of our coaching. Yeah. What was it like having Anna kind of guiding you guys through that um, Olympic run, obviously at a point where I, I think coaching was not always 
the most common thing for teams to have. Yeah. I mean, she, so when we first came on, Anna was coaching like Linda Hanley and Barb Fontana, coaching some other people. So in fact, when we start, when I first started playing beach, I really was like mostly for like Holly and Elaine on the forest tour for Elaine, but in doubles for Holly, I like a practice dummy. I'm like, I'll do whatever I'll show up, you know, just tell me what you want me to do. Um, and that's how I got introduced to the sport. Honestly, was right after college. I had never played it until after college. And, um, you know, Anna was a great, what she did really well, I think was, was training new people to the game. And, you know, we drilled hard, we went hard. And um, I think that was, those early years were really helpful for us in kind of just developing our skills. And then, you know, at some point we, after we took our break, you know, we realized that, you know, strategy was starting to be important too. Now, like we had to figure some of that stuff out and us being young to the game, we started, um, you know, consulting with some other people and coaches. And so trying to grow in that way too. Um, but yeah, she was, she was great with like drilling us and working us and pushing us. Did you have to disassociate yourself with her when she took the USC job? Yes, I did. I mean, we always had, no, I'm just kidding. No, we always had a friendly banter because, you know, she was always kind of aligned with, with the other school. So. The other <laughs> so school. Yeah. Good. I love yeah. to hear the, the transition yeah. there. It's, they won't even we say had it. Healthy competition, <laughs> healthy banter. I always remember you guys used to say, uh, as you say, that school over there on Figueroa. Right. The other school. Um, so you make this run in 2000, right? You get to go to, uh, was that Australia? Was that 2000 Olympics? Yeah. You get to go to Australia. And then now it's 2001 or 2002. When did you have your first child? So I, my, Annette had Maya first. He was born in May and that, that next year, 2001. And then I had my daughter. I actually, actually was, plan to play with Lisa Arce because I had not gotten pregnant yet. And then literally in February I got pregnant and I was like, I'm not playing. <laughs> I'm out. We're, we're having kids the same year. This is working out perfectly. <laughs> um, so yeah, so our kids are, our, our, both of our kids are four months apart, our first and our second. Um, so yeah, it just, I mean, honestly, this, where we were in our lives. Like we got married around six months apart from each other too. It's just kind of, you know, the course of our lives is very, just very similar. And so it worked out for us. So we took that year off of 2001 and then came back and played 2002, three and four. So. Was there any doubts uh, right after you've both had, you know, your wonderful children or are you ever sitting there and going, Hey, maybe we don't, listen the world tour is hard we've we've done it for for a couple of years right what was that conversation and decision like i think well originally for us i think um from what i remember we always knew we would go back to playing domestically and i think that was when the avp first started combining the tours so we were one of the eight teams women's teams that they brought on at first when they made it both gender um, and then it took us another year to kind of come to the realization that we were ready to try to go for uh, the Olympics again in 04 and to compete on the FIVB again. I mean, 
it wasn't as brutal as it is now in the sense it's not, it wasn't like really year round. You might have one event in February and then you have a big break and then you, maybe you have like, you know, three weeks in a row, couple weeks off, three weeks in a row, couple weeks off, but you're not playing into like November and just, you know, you're not playing late into the year. Like I feel like it had been in the past. So, um, but then we, you know, got the itch again and our husbands were and families were super supportive. My parents actually watched both of our firstborn together uh, while we went to train. We would come home and that would grab her son and go home. And, you know, I would be home with my daughter, Jalen. Um, and so, yeah, we just, we decided to make a run when we had each had one child. And fun fact, people don't know this, but pregnancy points actually became a thing internationally when Annette and I were pregnant when we came back from having kids. That's when it started because we're like, this is ridiculous. We worked so hard like to get to this point to get in, you know, we shouldn't be punished because we're having kids. You know, the men don't have that. And so that's where the pregnancy point started actually was after we had our first kids. Yeah, that's, that's got to speak to, I mean, you've done so many great things for the game, but I think that's a great opening piece of like, hey, you know, this is a great step towards um, making things fair and, and allowing our high level athletes to be parents and, and have that experience because um, I think it's awesome Felix, right, who had to fight for maternity sponsorships, uh, right, to not lose because obviously there's so much that has to do with placing and so many sponsorship deals have to do with uh, uh, just making playing in certain number of events. I say playing like running in certain number of events yeah. for her. Yeah. Uh, and she's made a big fight for, for maternity sponsorship pieces. And, you know, people really shout her praises. I think we just needed an Instagram and a Facebook uh, when you and Annette were, were yeah, kicking things. Exactly. He didn't have much back then. <laughs> he barely had internet. <laughs> uh, for the guy's sake, it's probably a good thing that there wasn't as much social media, but, uh, you know, I can only imagine what kind of heck was being raised by some of your UCLA counterparts uh, at the oh, time. Yeah. yeah, we're we're like, we're glad we grew up when we did. Let's put it that way. <laughs> when you go on this 2004 run, right, it's pretty much a three-team race again. Mm -hmm. right? it's, it's Holly and Elaine, uh, it's you and Annette, and then some couple of kids couple scrappy Two hacks, you know they were not they weren't great <laughs> Two hacks, but Stanford and Long Beach has anybody even heard of these schools um yeah Misty and Carrie I can't remember their names no no just kidding <laughs> don't worry I did the research it's uh it's some Misty, okay, Misty good. Jenny, uh, trainer and then Carrie Walsh Jennings so, um, we'll keep the three name theme going for the day yes exactly but you know they come on and obviously you and Annette are playing really good volleyball i mean probably a top i don't have the number off the top of my head but probably a top 10 team in the world at the time at least top 15 and you know you're duking it out for that final two spots what is that like when you kind of realize okay we're not gonna make it right we're not yeah. gonna get to, go to, to athens oh that was tough i mean it, it honestly it came down to the last event when we were qualifying and I think Carrie and Misty were first in the world. Maybe Elaine and Holly were like fourth and we were sixth. So we're like, this is crazy. How is the top six team in the world not going to the Olympics? So, you know, it was hard because it came down to the very end. Um, 
but again, for Annette and I, you know, we always talk about the journey and what an amazing journey it was. No, we didn't get to go to the Olympics again, but um, the process of trying to qualify uh, was filled with so many um, life lessons and amazing uh, travel experiences. I mean, my daughter teases me all the time. She's like, oh, you got a such and such. And she's like, I know you already been there. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it wasn't until I got older where I, when I went to those events where I actually started experiencing the places I was, I would, I would go there and be like, this is business. Like I'm not sightseeing. I'm not doing any of that stuff. I'm training, I'm playing. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. When am I going to come back to these places? You know? So I started to ease up a little bit on that and really enjoy the different cities and countries we got to visit and that also just made the experience so much more enjoyable. I just like relaxed a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I was talking to John Hyden uh, about that, right? It's like early on when you're, when you're starting out and you lose in that qualifier, don't change your flight to spend mm -hmm. the next two days and go check out the place because pretty soon you're going to be playing on Sunday and it's a lot harder to sightsee when you have 30 minutes to get to the airport than oh, it is. Yeah. When I mean, I was doing, we were doing things. Our first event in Italy, we, we didn't know how it worked. We didn't qualify. And then they kicked us out of the host hotel because that was the main draw hotel. We had nowhere to stay. Some random guy that the Italians are friends with. I'll never forget his Nikolai. He's like, you can stay at my apartment. And then they're like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> but he's like, no, I won't stay there. He said, you know, but you can stay there. And we did. I mean, if my daughter ever did that overseas, I would wring her neck. But, you know, <laughs> we did that. We stayed in his apartment for two, three days until we made it to the next city. And, um, yeah, it's just, I mean, it was just such a different time. But it was a lot of fun. That's great. That, that, that was my question was you got to experience all these places. You got to do all this cool traveling. And we've heard about the grind of that two-year span right before the Olympics. And was there any stories, horror stories or funny stories about that travel or getting from country to country, place to place? Well, yeah, our, I mean, our UCLA team just traveled to Europe this summer and we were in Charles de Gaulle in Paris. And I was like, oh, I'm having PTSD because I remember running to this airport, trying to make flights and, you know, losing luggage. I can't tell you how many lost bags we've had and we're trying to share clothes and, Oh my gosh, just crazy stories, you know, the hotels we stayed in that were, I mean, just, just crazy stuff, but that's the stuff we remember. I mean, we tell stories about that all the time now to our kids and to, you know, to my own athletes now in college. And, you know, that's the stuff we remember because it's just those experiences that connect us and that, you know, are so unique to the experience of being a professional athlete, especially a professional beach athlete. So we had, yeah, we got plenty of, plenty of those stories, you know, food in different countries and just, I mean, my gosh, we would, uh, the, you know, like one thing I loved about our travel though was, um, you know, we, we went with the men everywhere. We kind of all played in similar places. We didn't have a lot of separate events. So getting to hang out with them more and, you know, I'm a big practical joker. So, um, I remember Sean Scott was a big practical joker. Fanoi was too. They, their, their practical jokes was another level though. They were doing stuff. I was like, I don't want any part of that. You know, I might scare you or hide your bag, but they were like hiding rotten fish in each other's rooms and turning off the heat and doing crazy stuff. So, but it was a lot of fun traveling with them though.
Yeah, it's so funny to me because I've had the opportunity to hang out with both Fanoi and and Sean, and a little bit later, right, a little bit more calmed down, a little little less, little <laughs> less crazy. And I can't, I can't picture Fanoi being the guy to be to leave a, a dead fish in somebody's back. Oh, he was a little prankster, that guy. Yeah, it was funny. They're they're a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah, and so you know, you make this run in 04. It obviously it's a great journey. It's a heck of an experience with you and Annette. And then baby number two, right? Round round two yep. coming <laughs> thereafter. Yep. Uh, I was the semi was first and that was second, but within four months of each other. <laughs> awesome. And, and that was kind of the the nail in the coffin for international play. Yeah. Uh, it was we're ready I to be home. Having but... having one leaving one kid at home, you know, was manageable. Two would have been, I think, a lot. And um you know, my, it's not like my daughter remembers it or anything. I mean, she was fine. And, but I just think with, yeah, having to that, that's a lot to ask. And, um, you know, it was expensive to bring people on the road if we were going to travel with the family. And it just, we didn't feel like that was the best, best thing to do. And we were perfectly happy playing at home, honestly. Um, so yeah, we were happy that we had a, a robust tour and we had a way to make a, a, a living and we had great sponsors. So, um, staying at home was was perfect for us yeah so you play on the avp for a few more years i mean mm -hmm. five five or six more years i think even through the the little bankruptcy round two i think right yeah we, i think 2012 was our last year that we yeah, played so, and then how do you get into well you start coaching at the windward school so mm -hmm. yeah fun, fun fact of the day right is We've now had two uh, former Windward coaches on the pod because Benny actually oh. was there when Benny was playing. On the oh, AVP. that's right. That's right. I remember that. Yes, I remember when she got that. Yeah. Um, very fun there. But you start coaching there. And then how does UCLA come up round two? Um, I if, I if I remember correctly, I think I was coaching and still kind of playing a little bit too. So when I retired in 2012, that was my last, yeah, my last summer, um, I wanted to take a year off. Uh, Stein did approach me about coaching. He's like, I don't have any money, but do you want to do it? And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. I love Stein, but no. Um, I needed a break. And I also needed to make sure that, you know, it's one thing to coach. For, for me, it was one thing to coach you know, a startup beach program at my alma mater high school, you know, it was a completely different thing to step into the college ranks and, and see if that was something that I wanted to do. Also knowing too, like questioning, could I coach someone who is not like me? You know, do I have the the capacity for that? You know, well, I get frustrated. Well, what is that like? I don't know, you know, and I think the perfect entry into college coaching for me, especially having two young kids at the time was just, it was very, you know, it was two days a week. You know, they took the whole indoor team. We went down to, to Annenberg and Santa Monica, everyone, you know, I met them there. We trained there. And then I had one Friday a week where I trained, you know, our couple of beach only athletes and once in a while I'll go in the office, but it was pretty, you know, he was still doing indoor too. So it was, it was pretty low key. I, I think if it was like a full fledged job at first, I, I, I may not have done it, honestly. I just wasn't ready to have that time away from my kids yet. So 
you know, as the program grew, the job grew and my kids grew and it was just a perfect kind of um, marriage, if you want to say, just of all those worlds. And it was, it was very timely and just how, you know, my kids were growing up and their ages and they needed less and uh, the job needed more. So it was, it was a great uh, trade-off there. Yeah. How did the growth of the UCLA program grow? Because I think uh, most people, when they think of UCLA, right, they're going to think of back-to-back national titles. They're going to think of playing in almost every final for the last six years, mm-hmm. um, at least. My math might be off on the, the number of years. But uh, right before, it was, I mean, like you said, a crossover program, I think. Yeah. First year, there was single-digit wins. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and not then, fully funded, not full, not hardly funded, honestly. Yeah, uh, a little, a little bit. You said it was a little bit slower in that. I think in ju- kind of jumping in, some other schools went full in right away. Um, so you know, it takes a little while to catch up after that in terms of funding and scholarships and bringing on bringing in beach only athletes. But I think that um, with the growth of the sport. You know, and also I think the location, we just naturally had some great crossover athletes, which was helpful for our program, um, you know, kind of on indoors dime. So, um, you know, for that, that for us, that was definitely helpful. And, um, you know, I just think Stein did a great job of, of growing that program. And, um, you know, I was lucky enough to be his partner in that and really enjoyed the process of, of growing the program and seeing to, you know, where it is today. Yeah. What were some of those major obstacles, uh, whether it be that first group of beach only athletes where there only might be a couple of them and they're having to share court time with indoor girls who maybe don't indoor, right? Sometimes we get to go out to beach, right? We get a tan yeah. we get to play in the spring. <laughs> Maybe we go to Hawaii, right? It'd be a really cool trip. Um, whereas the rest of them are like, hey, we want to be good at this. Like we're doing this full time now. What is that? Those obstacles or other things along those same lines? Yeah, I, th- I don't think it was ever a question of like people taking it seriously. But, you know, as you guys know, in the coaching world, as the game has grown, um, student athletes are playing at a much, starting at a much younger age and they're kind of, Um, moving away from indoor and doing beach only. So, you know, athletes who are doing beach only, there there came a time a few years ago, I felt like especially where those kids that are doing beach only would really start to see the improvements of versus the ones that were going back and forth. So even if you had a really talented beach player who was also playing indoor, they were kind of getting passed up in terms of their skill level with the ones that are just training full-time beach. So when that started to happen, you know, that's when I think the, our program started to shift more and, you know, trying to go after more beach only athletes who could train all year round and not just, you know, even really part-time in the spring because they still had indoor training commitments too. It wasn't like we just got them solely for the spring. So I think, yeah, once you, I mean, I think you you always have some special ones who can do both and do both really well at a high level. Um, but that's probably, you know, less common these days with just the commitment to training that all the athletes are making. Yeah. What was kind of the first big breakout for UCLA Beach? When was it like, all right, we're we're doing this and we're also here a force to be reckoned with? I think, I mean, 
we got, I think we got a third at nationals before we won, maybe a couple of years before we won. I feel like, you know, we had a really good run that year. And um, I think things were starting to click and um, felt good about what the direction of the program, the recruits that were coming in and, um, you know, the training they were getting and getting them, you know, doing a lot more without that many scholarships too, I think is something that I know Stein was really proud of and, you know, I am too. And, um, and then just growing it from there. But um, yeah, I think that's probably kind of the, one of the turning points, at least for me, I would say um, just being able to compete on a national stage with other programs who are, you know, getting a lot more in terms of funding. But... Yeah. And you mentioned like, we, we talked about the, the frustrations of the program as it grew and the, the funding and all that. But what about the start of your coaching career? You, you mentioned also that you were kind of nervous about not training an athlete that might not be the same as you and uh, what it'd be like to train an older athlete that kind of has uh, uh, their own opinion of the game or something like that. Um, what were those frustrations like or for someone jumping into coaching right now? in the beach game, what kind of things did you see early on in your career that you had to work through that they might see the same things now? Well, I think the blessing for me is I had some really great coaches growing up. So my high school coach was a big mentor of mine. And I knew from a very early age that coaching is just not about sport. You know, it's for me, it's, it's the whole person. It's the whole picture it um, starts with caring about the athlete on and off the court. And um, when the, when that's the focus, then for me, it's just, it makes the, the whole process so much more um, memorable and special and impactful. And so coming from that perspective, I think for me was helpful in allowing me to jump into coaching and feel you know, pretty confident about it because knowing that that was what I wanted to do in terms of um, my goals and coaching and how I wanted to, you know, touch the lives of young student athletes who are coming through college is such a, it's such a transition, transitional time in, in kids' lives and, um, you know, being away from home. And I thought, you know what, I mean, I, I know volleyball, so it's not that I just got to figure out, you know, uh, I think for me, uh, the struggle was I just started to think like, gosh, well, what if they're just like not pushing themselves? Like I just was not, I just can't fathom that, right? I cannot, but that's really just not the case. I mean, especially at a place like UCLA, like we have elite athletes, we have people that are pushing themselves to be the best, you know, if anything, they might be pushing themselves too much at times. Um, so yeah, so I just jumped into coaching and just kind of forgot all the other stuff and just really enjoyed the connection I had with them and pushing them and, you know, um, the athletes working hard and just, but also just trying to figure out life at the same time. And so for me, I just, I love the the whole picture of that. And you've had some really impressive alumni come through the beach volleyball program um, on and off the court. Right. Is there one that really sticks out on the off the court piece? I mean, there, there, there are definitely a few. I mean, I think one thing that I really like, I mean, we just had some alumni back last week and 
I just, I love it when they come back. I love that they want to come back. I love that I'm still connected to so many of them too, you know, and I, and um, I think that part for me is really special. I think that, you know, it was, it was great, a great connection for me to have with Sarah Sponsel when she started embarking on her pro career. I felt like, you know, we were FaceTiming on a regular basis and sometimes we weren't even really talking about volleyball, honestly, it's just like, navigating life sometimes too and um you know sarah and i were not really close very much at all her first year honestly but her second year that changed into her time um outside as a pro so you know but they're honestly we have such amazing athletes i mean savvy zon i'm just trying to think of the ones that are you know that are more recent that have you know caught on to the pro career and um just also different but what I realized, the thing that I think that I was nervous about as a coach about having different athletes is the thing that I love the most. I love the challenge of coaching different people. I love the challenge of trying to bring out the best in each person and that might look differently. So for me, the thing, like I said, the thing that I was probably like worried about is the thing that is so impactful for me and that I really love. Yeah. Isn't that what usually happens to the thing you're nervous <laughs> about is the the thing that ends up being the best part about anything okay. yeah but, yeah great speaking of the past what, what what's the future kind of look like for UCLA and obviously conference is going to be a topic of discussion now that the Pac-12 is kind of going away and you guys are joining the Big Ten is Nebraska gonna continue are you guys gonna start a Big Ten conference no start a rivalry yeah. <laughs> a beach rivalry I mean, I hope so. I, I really hope that the Big Ten schools are going to embrace beach volleyball and, and start programs. I mean, they're indoor powerhouses. And I just think, you know, extending it to the beach game is a no-brainer. And the Big Ten is, you know, is a great conference. It's power conference. And there's a lot of great benefits to being in the Big Ten. And I'm just, I just hope that the sport continues to grow in a way where, you know, our sport can reap the benefits of being in such a great conference. Yeah. It's exciting to have you guys in the MPSF, right? In the MPSF mm -hmm. kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. We, we definitely appreciate the MPSF for, for stepping up and for creating this opportunity for, you know, our schools to continue to compete really to against each other and with each other. And um, so that's going to be exciting and we're looking forward to the future in that as well. And with the growth of college beach volleyball as a whole, where where do you kind of see uh, the NCAA going, game going or where do you want to see it go? What are the things that are on your list of, hey, these are what we could do better? I mean, I just want to see the game continue to grow. You know, I would love to. Again, have I thought of this stuff out? No, but in a dream world, I mean, it will, I would love to just even expand the post-tournament play. I think it would be awesome, you know, include more teams and, and make it bigger um, and then maybe have a final destination, you know, for the championships. Um, I'm excited for the growth of sport, honestly. I think, um, you know, I want there to be more opportunities. I feel like we're starting to get to a point where there's just so many athletes and we need to provide opportunities for them because, you know, they're putting in the work and um, they're competing in these events. They're wanting to be noticed and get into colleges and play the sport. And, you know, it's it's a great experience for for any student to be able to play sports in college. And so I just hope those those opportunities continue to 
to grow and expand. Well, we really appreciate you coming on and being a part of um, at least this little journey for, for Michael and I. Um, I, I think I probably could ask you questions for the better part of two and a half hours. Uh, <laughs> no, I, and I don't even know if we covered all of your accolades, which probably speaks to um, how humble you are, right? Maybe a, a lesson taken from dad, but uh, UCLA Hall of Famer, right? Olympian, world champion, um, mother of two who, you know, at least Jay is killing it at Long Beach, right? And, yeah. And an athlete himself, right? And, you know, a wife and an inspiring coach. I can't tell you how many UCLA alums will say that, that you were one of the most enjoyable parts of their mm -hmm. experience. Um, you've gotten to coach girls that have gone to the Olympics, obviously Sarah Sponsel, who we talked to, um, doctors, right? Lily Justine is, is oh, now, yeah. Uh, Izzy Carey, goodness knows what she does. Uh, but I think it has something to do with rockets and money, money. <laughs> money. Yeah. She'll, All be I know she... our, she'll be supporting our program. So <laughs> All I know is she was really, really smart and did something Very smart. Really, really smart. And so, um, I think the ability to have an impact on people that can play the sport at a high level coaches, uh, I've never, I, I've really appreciated how kind and welcoming you've been, uh, specifically to myself over my career uh, from day one as a youngin in California to you know, way back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still a youngin, right. But, uh, but obviously a lot has, a lot has changed and, and I really appreciate the kind words you've always had and, and the guidance. So it means a lot and we really appreciate what you do for our sport. So thank you for letting me ask you questions for an hour and, and we'll see if we can you to do it again. For so you guys, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much, Jenny.